everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nothing But Locks podcast. I'm your host, Allie Menniki, accompanied by my favorite co-worker, Robert Kowalski. How are you doing this morning, Robert? Allie, doing just great. Thanks so much for having me on today. Uh, boy, that sure was a uh, super wild card weekend that's not yet done. Yep. It was everything as a Giants fan I could have asked for in yesterday's game. I... I can't remember the last time I was this happy on a Monday morning. It's been a long, long time since we won a playoff game. You got to go back to 2011. I was just out of college. So it's been well over 10 years. I couldn't have asked for a better showing from the offense yesterday. Defense has some issues, but we'll get into that later. But overall, Robert, I mean, these games were just so unpredictable this week. Heavy favorites just couldn't seem to cover against third-string quarterbacks. You had one of the most epic collapses of all time on Saturday night. Where to even begin? Let's just start real quick with the betting trends. How did overs do versus unders, favorites versus underdogs? If you look at the way everything played itself out, obviously, you know, favorites did, you know, quite a number going into the year just straight up uh but on like just yesterday right they the dogs swept three and0 against the spread they're four and one against the spread overall uh you know four and one I mean look home teams they're four and one straight up so that's one thing to look at but road teams yesterday three and0 against the spread three and two against the spread overall totals uh all of them are going over the total. Now, road teams, so right, so the road teams going four and one straight up and five and zero oh against the spread in the first halves through the first five wildcard games is also very, very significant and unexpected. Yeah, and it wasn't my best week picking wise. Started out strong because I had the Niners in a blowout. That was one game you and I disagreed on. It looked great for me at halftime because I had the Chargers on Saturday night and then. Luckily that my parents who are visiting from New Jersey, they were jet lagged. They were in bed with my daughter re- relatively early, like around seven, seven thirty. So I was like, yeah, I might as well watch the second half. There's nothing else on TV. And did I get a second half treat? <laughs> the bills I had the bills covering. I don't know how they almost blew the game to the dolphins. Obviously I had my New York giants and then the Bengals. I lost that as well. You and I both like the Bengals to cover against the Ravens. So we'll get into all the games. There's a lot to cover in this episode. So Robert and I will go through it as quickly as we can. And Robert, let me just get you. If you had to sum up this weekend in a nutshell, what are, what is one to two sentences you would use? Uh, this is what happens when you play with an oblong ball. Mm. Welcome to chaos. It's exactly my wheelhouse. It's exactly what I wanted. It's the unexpected. And that's why the NFL is so great. Yeah. And this was the first weekend I really divulged from my betting strategy. I bet a lot of heavy favorites, obviously the bills, obviously the Niners, which won for me, the Bengals. I usually don't, especially double-digit points. I always said that was one of my biggest caveats is I love taking underdogs with double digits when it's a division game. I know it's the playoffs, but still. Miami, I probably underestimated how bad that the the Bills can be with turnovers. That's been a, a critique of mine all year. But we'll get to more of that later. Let's start out, and we'll start with Saturday's games. First one was the Niners and the Seahawks. Seahawks made a game of it in the first half. 
I actually said I was out watching the game with a few 49ers fans, and I said, I think the 49ers blow them away in the second half. I know it was close, but I thought Purdy came out a little shaky. I knew he would ride it. Seattle did not look that impressive in the first half. I think they got lucky on a few deep balls, particularly one to DK Metcalf from what I remember. But overall, Robert, what did you think of the Niners game? Look, right. The thing is, is that you you look at the the tail of two halves, but if you if you sail just a little bit higher, you see that the 49ers, not only do they put up 41 in wet conditions, let's call it, not not optimal conditions, 505 yards of offense, 55% of their third downs were converted, 181 rushing yards, uh, and they had Seattle caught the ball up two times versus zero for, for themselves. So, I mean, if, if you look at the, the big edge in yards in the first half, that's when I knew that the fact that they were trailing 17-16 at the half was absolutely going to be a mirage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, I mean, to take a note, Seattle defense uh, was ranked number 26 going in uh, in yards per game, uh, you know, versus the schedule. And now you're, you're basically seeing San Francisco, without a doubt, they've proven they can crush non-playoff teams absolutely all year long. Um they Seattle simply just hasn't played playoff caliber. It, I mean, we we keep coming back to Germany, but it, they haven't played playoff caliber in like eight weeks. Um, and I honestly think that San Francisco after this game, I think they they passed the eye test, Ali. Um, I've, yeah. I've, I've got them going straight into the Super Bowl. I really do. That was my pick. It's been my pick for weeks. Obviously not my preseason pick. That was the Packers. But once Purdy was on a roll... And yeah. I said it as I was a guest on another podcast last week, but I said that the Niners have just been a, a covering machine since Purdy took over. The only time they didn't cover was against the Raiders. They went into overtime still and won, but that was a weird game. Otherwise, they have covered as heavy favorites in every game they faced. I was very confident entering that that nine and a half spread, even at halftime. Like I said, I turned to my friend and I said, the Niners are going to blow them out in the second half. I said, watch, they're going to come. They get the ball to start the second half. They're going to come out. They're going to score a touchdown. And then it's going to go downhill for Seattle from then. That's exactly what happened. Seattle fumbles on their next drive, which I think that was the turning point of the game. They could have went in for a score. They could have tied it or, or at the very least taken the lead if they scored a touchdown there. Instead, they fumbled. The Niners go back and score a touchdown. And I believe the Niners scored about just on every possession in the second half. So this was a total coming out party for Brock Purdy. I don't think there's any question, Robert, that come week one next week, next year, I don't care what kind of shape Trey Lance is in. This is Brock Purdy's team. What do you think? That's a blazing blazing hot take for the 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 cold tundra of northern nevada this morning ali mm-hmm. uh, i've got about five inches of snow on the ground and you just scorched all of it away from my driveway well i guess you're I gonna get a lot know, of futures bets for mvp for him next year <laughs> i don't know about this is uh this is definitely one to to chew on i actually was just talking about this exact topic late last night during the Bengals game. What do the Niners do now? This is uh, one of those beautiful first world problems, isn't it? Um, can you say Jorge Nolos Dos? <laughs> Why not keep the both of them? 
I mean, they both are on their contract. Um, and relatively cheap rookie year deals, I believe. Very, very much so. You don't have to really do anything next year. And uh, uh, Trey Lance, well, only thing that we know is that he can get injured. So maybe we keep both. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I, you know, I don't know what Trey Lance's stock is right now. He had only really a handful of starts in his career. I didn't think he was particularly impressive for his rookie year. He definitely wasn't impressive against the Bears. I know it was a very rainy day week one, but he did not look good at all. So I don't know if there's much of a market for him right now. So yeah, I agree with you. Why not keep him? But let's concentrate right now on the Niners today, Robert. Yep. You're changing your pick that they go to the Super Bowl. Is there any team you could see in the NFC or the AFC that would just be probably their worst opponent? No, I don't. I, I really don't. Uh, look, it's we'll talk more about Dallas and Tampa towards the end of our show today. Uh, but none of those two teams I see beating San Francisco. Really, the, the only... The only X factor to me is maybe we're just discounting Jalen Hurts after the incredible season he had, uh, but maybe we're not. Maybe we haven't seen, you know, prime Jalen Hurts since, you know, what, early December, mid-December? And we don't know how he's going to bounce back in his first game. Uh, I can tell you right now, it was a major struggle putting together a line for for this Saturday as they're ready to host our Giants. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I put down what I thought was a high number. Uh, of seven and now the Eagles are up to seven and a half um you know but that being said I I I'm, I'm probably still leaning towards Sam I, I think San Francisco is the best the NFC has right now I think so too and a lot of the, my criticism against the Eagles is they really haven't played that elite team I know they beat the Vikings in week two but we say how the Vikings defense is just terrible. Kirk Cousins, for some reason, in primetime night games, he just doesn't do well. And really, I'm looking at the Eagles schedule, Robert. They haven't faced a tough defense. You could maybe put the Cowboys there, and they lost to the Cowboys one game. Yes, Jalen Hurts didn't play that game that they lost. But I just don't know what Jalen Hurts is going to do with that front seven of the Niners. And I don't know how healthy he is to run right now. That was the main reason he got hurt was running. So I, it has to be on the ba- at the back of your head that, you know, there's a good chance you're only in your third year in the league. There has to be a good chance that you're going to get hurt again. But let's let's stay stick with this game before we move on to the next game. And I do want to talk about the Seahawks for a quick second. What's next for Geno Smith? He's obviously a, a free agent. There's a lot on the free agent market. You have Derek Carr, maybe Tom Brady. You have Jimmy Garoppolo. Does Seattle stick with Geno Smith or do they explore other options? Geno Smith is up there in age. I don't know if you win a playoff game with Geno Smith. What do you think? If I am wearing the hat of the general manager of the Seattle Seahawks, um, I'm sitting down this morning with Geno and his agent or just Geno by himself and letting him know that I I want him to end his career with us. I really do. This, this had nothing to do with his, you know, lack of performance. I think he did exactly what he needed to do. I just think that more pieces need to be surrounded. Um, you know, they, they looked great, you know, and in the first uh, five, six weeks. Uh, but honestly, I, I think that there's looking, we, we probably could use far more defensively, obviously, you know, with, with what Seattle you know, was was pummeled with against San Francisco. But I, I think, Allie, I, I think I'd want Geno Smith until he retires. 
The Seahawks are on the fifth pick in the draft, Robert. Is there a chance if C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young won't be available. If somehow C.J. Stroud is still available, do they take a shot on them? Or do they trade up to maybe the one pick with the Bears and draft Bryce Young? Is that an option? I guess that's uh, differing philosophies for you and I. <laughs> Look, you're right. You're right. I mean, it's you're you're you have a playoff caliber team, obviously. Right. Um, uh, then again, you you may have your your cards drawn for you, irregardless. Maybe you know Geno Smith has his mind made up, and he says, "This is this is it." I had my my breakout party, and I'm going to take the greatest offer I can get, no matter who it is, no matter where it is. Maybe Houston's going to offer me a quarter of a billion dollars, you know. And Seattle's like, well, okay, that's pretty much it. We're not we're not in for that kind of a deal. If we were, yeah. we would have kept Russell Wilson. And that's uh, my only concern: is Geno Smith's going to think that he's worth a little too much at his age than what the market's going to dictate. Don't forget this is he's 32 years old. I believe this is his first decent season. I I don't know what his, his value is right now. I think honestly, I think his decent season happened because of Seattle's offensive. I really do. So if he goes, I don't know, maybe you do pull the trigger and say, let's start with, uh, you know, maybe taking the number one overall trading up from, you know, from Chicago probably does make sense. All right, well, let's move on to the bigger game on Saturday night in terms of entertainment value. I know there was a ton of people on the East Coast that I talked to that was in bed by halftime, 27 to 7 and halftime. A lot of people thought, well, it's 10 o'clock, 1030 back in the East. I'm going to bed. And did they wake up to a shocker that I fortunately was on the West Coast, so I got to stay up and watch. But, Robert, I sat with my mouth agape just staring at the screen after the Jaguars kicked the field goal to win that game. What happened to the Chargers? All right, so number one, full disclosure. At the half, I left my house, and I went to the cinema to go watch Megan. <laughs> Which, by well, the way, I guess was, there were two scary fun. endings. <laughs> it, was, it was fun. A nice nice little change of pace. I, uh, I enjoyed it. I was, uh, I was entertained. So I uh, leave the theater and I'm like, okay, uh, well, guess I'm going to have to go watch this on uh, NFL.com, you know, on fast forward. Uh, I don't get it. I, I really don't. I, I mean, if, if you pour over the numbers, nothing makes sense, right? Uh, Jacksonville ended up outperforming them offensively 390 to 320 on, on total yards. Um for, for as incredible a season as Eckler had, he only had 67 rushing yards. So I don't I don't know why they went away from that. Um, you talk about those five turnovers that Jacksonville had and the fourth down failure that yeah. Jacksonville had, and they still won. Um, so bottom line is the Chargers just took their foot off the gas pedal way too soon. Um and look, here's the other thing. Like all the Jacksonville touchdowns, they came when they were down double digits, you know, down 27, down 20, down 16 and 10. I mean, they had 90 combined passes. It was just such a chaotic game. It didn't make any sense at all. Uh, so I'm I'm still really wondering how you could, I mean, this is the most Chargers way you could lose as the Chargers franchise possible. And I, I, I really, 
really don't know where you go from here. You just roll it right back and said, hey, we're, we're, here we are. We're going to pick up 10 and a half wins next year, make the playoffs, playoff run. Oh, look at all those injuries again. <laughs> I mean, how do you top this? How do you have an encore to this kind of a mess? I think Brandon Staley deserves to be fired. I, I honestly do. And I hate like advocating for people to lose their jobs. But after what he did in week 18, playing all the starters, they could have definitely used Mike Williams yesterday. Probably some other guys that were banged up. I don't know how you get away with blowing a lead like that and keeping your job. I mean, I was waiting for Matt Ryan to put on a Chargers helmet. That, that's <laughs> what I thought of that night. I was watching the second half, Robert, and I think it was after Jacksonville scored their first touchdown of the second half to make it, I believe, 27 to 14 or, or whatever. And I had a weird feeling something was up. The Chargers, they were just playing a conservative defense. They were not attacking like they had in the first half. It was kind of like they were just waiting for the clock to run out. They they definitely mailed in with that that second half performance. I I I, I put most of the blame on the defense for that. So the, the the offense they didn't do themselves any favors. No, but this was a defensive collapse, highlighted by Joey Boza foolishly slamming his helmet at the end allowing the Jaguars to, d- to take a two-point conversion from the one-yard line. And we know Trevor Lawrence's height, all he has to do is reach over and he breaks the plane. The, the defensive coordinator should be fired. Brandon Staley should be fired. I actually think you need to clean the coaching staff out. Like This, was, this is a game you don't rebound for. I wouldn't be surprised next year, Robert, if the Chargers keep the team that they have if they have a losing record, this is an all-time epic collapse. You look at the Atlanta Falcons, they were never the same after they blew that Super Bowl lead. I don't think you're the same after this one. What do you think? No, you're, you're not. And, you know, just forget about the fan base. Just as an executive collection in, in L.A. right now, you're looking at yourself this morning and you're saying, so pat on the back. Did we have a good year? Uh I, I don't know. I don't know if he'd had a good year. I really don't. If you, you can't play, you know, recency bias, you know, even though that's obvious, you know, what everyone's going to want, you know, the pitchforks and, and the, the torches to go out on. Uh, you, 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 can't, you can't come back with the same club next year. You cannot. So you're not trading Herbert, right? You're not getting rid of the defense because this is a championship caliber built defense. So you can't do that. Everything is here to win now, to win today. You just blew a 27 nothing lead. And there's only one place that you could point to, and it's the ones driving this Maserati. It's the coaching staff. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better myself. I I I know a char. I have a very good friends with a Chargers fan who didn't even pick up her phone on Saturday <laughs> or yesterday. I don't blame her. So <laughs> it, it was just. Let me ask you because I do want to give Jacksonville credit. I ripped Trevor Lawrence yeah. at halftime. At I wrote on Twitter on our Nothing But Locks podcast account. I I called it. I said Trevor Lawrence chokes in big games. He was he choked in the first half. Had four interceptions was terrible he choked in the big game against tennessee thankfully jaguars defense bailed him out he choked in the college football championship game against lsu 
then he completely just I, I wonder if he read my tweet because then he just completely outperformed everyone in the second half so I do want to give credit to Jacksonville but when you look at this game Robert do you say more that the Chargers choked in this game or the Jaguars were that good and had an epic comeback excellent question uh Chargers choked. Yeah, uh, I, I think agree. Chargers choked because if if they would have even put in half an effort that they did in the first quarter, that the, the game would have been over with with ten minutes to go in the fourth. Honestly, you know. But now you 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 switch you switch the entire uh, the plate around and you and you see that. I mean, the Jaguars are basically seven and one since their their game in Arrowhead. And it's 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 just not now it's it's honestly I'm, I'm not quite sure if they're looking at you know saying if if maybe we move forward and keep keep moving from here I mean obviously it's it's the rematch now you know you know playing in Kansas City which by the way we opened Kansas City for the Saturday game as an eight and a half point favorite mm-hmm. uh, hosting Jacksonville so you know play with it like that I honestly think that it's Look, it's it's honestly right now, this is all on the Chargers, and they should be you know reveling in their victory. And instead, uh, they're they're really wondering what's going to happen next if they're going to see their coaching staff the same never again. I agree with you. When I think of this game, even though, and I'm not being bitter because I bet the Chargers and everything, but I do think that this was a Chargers collapse. There's no other way to describe it. You can't. Ha- you you can't be up that big in a playoff game and then just completely blow it. All right, yeah. let's move yeah. on to the Sunday games. Yesterday, Dolphins versus Bills. Robert, when the Bills went up 14-0, I believe actually they got to 17-0 at one point. Right. And I remember my dad and I, we had to go run a few errands. I was like, oh, this is just going to be a blowout. Let's, let's get this done before the Giants game. And I look at my phone then and it's halftime and I had to double check the score. I I couldn't believe that Miami scored as many points as they did in just a few minutes before halftime. And then I watched the third quarter and I was like, the bills are going to lose this game for themselves. Josh Allen threw two interceptions. He, he lost a fumble. There was other fumbles, which they were fortunate to recover, but this in no way was Miami put up a good fight. I thought against at least their offense didn't put up a good fight against the Bills. This was the Bills almost blowing the game. What did what did you take from yesterday? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Here's uh, you know the stats that match the point spread turns into a thriller. You know it was probably in like right after Thanksgiving. I said you know the juggernauts they the juggernauts of the NFL. You know the KC's, the Buffaloes, the San Francisco's, Phillies, and Dallas's. They they're winning right, but they're not covering. And so here we are again, looking at the same the same storyline. And, and Buffalo, I mean, they're they're just more, far more turnover prone than people want to let on, right? Uh, and far more than you'd expect from a, a very serious Super Bowl contender. So if you if you dig a little deep, right, you can see obviously Buffalo puts up 423 yards of offense, and that should be good enough. You see that, and you say. That's good. They outrushed their opponent 107 to 42. They didn't really need to run the ball because they're picking up chunk yards. But 
what was happening, right? There was cheap points galore, Allie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Buffalo uh, had the early 23-yard touchdown drive. Then Miami scores on an 18-yard touchdown drive, and then a fumble return uh, for a touchdown. Then the Bills had another 33-yard touchdown drive a little bit later. Like the really the one drive that Miami, I said you guys really earned it was on a 75-yard touchdown drive down 10. Uh, yeah. So it's this one is really unexpected. I I did not see this game playing out this way, especially again, like we just talked about with the Jaguars and and Chargers at the end of the first quarter, halfway into the second, I'm like, yeah, this one's pretty much elementary. You know, we're going to see Skyler, you know, be, you know, what exactly he is, a a third string quarterback uh, on a team that he probably is, uh, you know, a a square peg in a round hole. And um, they came back, they came back and they took the lead. And then I'm like, really? This is this is how it's going to end for you, Buffalo? You're going to lose like this? Well, they didn't. You know, they held on. But boy, oh boy, Ali. It it was crazy. And Robert, let's talk about that delay game in the end of the fourth quarter. I yeah, believe he's sure. for three minutes left. I don't know what happened with with the management and how they were were able to to somehow get that delay of game. But if they don't get that delay a game, Buffalo loses that game. I, I think Miami goes down the field. I think they score. I think they take the lead and they run the clock out. And that would have been probably one of the biggest upsets I can think of in wild card game history. 14 points, Bills favored at home, going against a third string quarterback. So the Dolphins did bail them out with that delay of game penalty. But one question before we move on, because I'm eager to talk about the Giants. Is Josh is Josh Allen's turnovers? Is he gonna? Is that gonna hurt him this postseason? Are are they gonna lose to maybe the Bengals or the Chiefs because of his turnovers? Because you can get away with it against Miami, who's just offensively inept without Tua, but you're not gonna get away with it against Joe Burrow, and you're not gonna get away with it against Patrick Mahomes. What do you think? Yeah, well, we'll have to talk about the Bengals and Bills, but you cannot be that reckless with the ball. Um, I expected to see far more uh, quarterback draws and, and quarterback options from from Allen, and that didn't happen. Uh, and and there were just throws that you, you see. It, it was just so weird because for, for every time you see this, this just incredible flick of the wrist for a sixty yard bomb that's complete down the sides to to digs, you, you just see a really just sloppy ass play you know on the next drive and it just really is confusing it doesn't make sense but we've seen this before we've seen this not too long ago this season uh they will get tripped up and there's a very good chance they get tripped up this coming sunday when they host the Bengals. yeah it's it's gonna be a tough one all right let's move on to my favorite topic i want to talk about this week and that's the giants totally won yesterday I couldn't have been more thrilled. I was at the the Irish pub around the corner from my apartment. I had my daughter in her Giants cheerleader outfit with me watching the first half. Then mom took her home in before the second half so she could stay with her grandma because I knew the second half was going to be too stressful for me to watch my eleven. <laughs> and I was right. Uh, Robert, the two things about the Giants win. 
first of all, there's no question Daniel Jones deserves a long-term contract. He played a perfect game. I don't even want to say near perfect. He played a perfect game yesterday, in my opinion. This My second point about the Giants is that this team is playing with so much confidence right now. They're so electrifying. They remind me a lot of those 07 and those 2011 teams that were underestimated all year and then just came alive in the playoffs. And I'm going to say it right now, they're going to beat the Eagles next week. We'll get more into that later, but I want to hear your thoughts about the game. Blazing hot. Blazing hot takes here. <laughs> I, on Daniel Jones, I am going to officially declare today the day that I take back everything I said about him. The moment we drafted him out of Duke, I uh, cursed very heavily. I drank that night and I was very unhappy. Uh, and it took Brian Dayball and his staff to finally develop him into peak Daniel Jones. I love his game. I love his ability to look down his options not see anything good and protect the ball either with uh, an easy pass out of bounds or let me tuck this in and, and, and pick up eight yards or, or more on, on a rush. 6'5 is 6'5. You can't teach that, right? And you also can't teach his incredible speed. So I'm very, very pleased with how he's developed. We've seen what he is capable of. Now, this is his peak. This is his greatest that he can be uh, and look out NFL because if the Giants somehow pick up a true bona fide tier one wide receiver, they're only going to get better. Um, uh, an incredible game where we talked last week, Ali, about the Giants could pull out the victory. So as long as they protect the ball and not turn the ball over, and this was as simply as I could put it, a very clean upset across the board. I agree with you. And like you, draft day, when they drafted Daniel Jones, there is video of me. I worked at Fox Sports at the time, just throwing things against the wall. <laughs> However, I was kind of quick to change my tone on Daniel Jones because I did like Daniel Jones at Duke. I just didn't think he was worth the sixth overall pick. I thought we could have got him later. And we had another pick, I believe, number 17. However, I have been a big defender of Daniel Jones since he finally did take over for Eli Manning. And I was one that at the beginning of the season, when people were saying, this is it, even toward the middle of the season, when he was just constantly throwing in 180 yard games, not particularly impressive. I was, I said, give him time. He has no receivers. He doesn't have a great offensive line. And I just, I've watched him blossom. And the kid had, I mentioned this on a podcast a few weeks ago, he has taken so much criticism and you're not going to get any tougher criticism from than from the New York media. And the kid has just defied expectations and proved everyone wrong. And he's so humble about it. He has one of the biggest work ethics I ever seen. So I was so happy he had the game of his life yesterday. Number two, though, I will give the offensive line so much credit yesterday, Robert. I thought their blocking was impeccable for the majority of the game. Maybe they had a sack or two that they allowed, but especially on that Saquon touchdown run to start the game. I thought that they were they did they performed the best that they've been they've been in years. What did you think of the offensive line? The line performed as optimally as I've seen them all year long. Now let's put a quick little asterisk 
I do want to point that out. That's because I think Minnesota's front three and four right. are absolutely useless. And they were exposed really exponentially yesterday. That was just not – look, this was – Basically, Minnesota, we're seeing them rank number 31 in yards allowed per game. And this was facing one of the worst schedules in the league. So when you couple those two together, you lead to the the, the violent volcano that you saw yesterday. All these yards that were being picked up were there. And it was very plain to see after the first quarter, hey, this is going to keep happening. They're not going to be able to flip a switch and say, oh, you know what? Actually, we forgot this one little, you know, part. Oh, you know, actually, this is a scheme that works. No, no, no. They were going to get run on all day. And they were the Giants picked up 431 yards of offense mm -hmm. and, and and all for the right reasons. Right. So the defense was lousy. Um, they gave up 6.3 yards per game. 54% of the Giants third down attempt ended up in, in a conversion. Um, and now you, you, you just, you, all, all this was pretty much right there for the taking and we saw it and everyone was saying, ah, you know, how could you make early on in the year? Remember Ali, we were talking about how, oh, how could you have the, uh, the Vikings as an underdog? How could this be picked against yep. the Lions? Well, because we can, and because it makes sense. They were and, overrated all year. Yeah. And there, and there's the result. What, let's talk about the Giants defense because that's one criticism I did have, Robert. That opening drive with the Vikings just marched down the field and scored. I said, what are they doing? Why are they playing zone defense? Why aren't they playing man? And, Robert, where was the blitz the entire game? We talked last week on the podcast if Wink Martindale would change his yes. scheme because yes. he did get criticism for having too much blitz the first time they met. I think that he's fortunate that the offense performed as well as they did because I wasn't a fan of the defensive approach. How about you? Yeah, you're right. Uh, we, we had just enough time given to the Vikings to hold them off, but you're right. There was no blitz. I, I mentioned that uh, Hawkinson was going to be targeted pretty yep. heavily, and he was. Uh, but again, I, it just it's a good thing that the Giants had an incredibly successful offensive game plan with really long drives to eat up a lot of clock that ended up in very successful red zone uh offensive results touchdowns right and it, it's exactly the way it ended up perfectly for the giants it's just uh, a, a fabulous victory one where they exposed minnesota early and often um but there's way way more and i will break it down later this week to what they're going to need to do against Philadelphia. If they come in with a similar game plan against uh, Philly as they did against Minnesota, uh, you, you're going to get a different result. I mean, the offense is great. Don't change that <laughs> at all. That was excellent. Um, but defensively, I agree. You definitely need to blitz more. Yeah, Robert and I will be back later this week to talk about it. Two more points I want to make before we move on to the final game, and then we'll get into the other segments. But – when in the Vikings last drive, when they had a chance to tie it with a touchdown and they called one of the worst roughing the passer penalties I ever saw, I got up at the bar I was at and kicked the wall. I mean, that was one of the worst calls I seen. I, I kept saying, if that costs us the game, I'm going to be livid, this and that. It didn't, fortunately. Number two, 
Daniel Jones' best drive of his career was after the Vikings did tie it up 24-24, I said that, the I turned to my dad, I said, if the Giants don't get a touchdown, not even a field goal, I said, if they don't get a touchdown on this next drive, they're going to lose the game. They're going to lose the game. Yeah. And Daniel Jones marched that team right down the field and scored a touchdown. Saquon Barkley ran it in at the one-yard line. I couldn't have been more impressed with Daniel Jones at that moment. What are your final thoughts before we move on? Yeah, I, I honestly think that if if this is the Giants team that we're going to see with Daniel Jones as the quarterback, then us as Giants fans should be very, very pleased, very happy. Uh, we talked back in May about picking up Neil and Thibodeau. I was very pleased. You were even happier with those picks. Um They've been really, really important to uh, to the success of the team this year, which is eh, it happens. It's rare, uh, but more and more we're seeing impact players, you know, in in the first round more than ever in the NFL, and, and the Giants did it twice. Uh, now I'm just really excited to see what wide receiver we could bring in. <laughs> yeah, I'm very excited to to hear about that. All right, let's move on. I know Robert and I could talk about the Giants all day, but we will limit it. Let's talk about the Ravens and the Bengals, Robert. I really didn't watch too much of the first half because I was too busy having a celebratory beer and everything. But let's talk about the main play that everyone is talking about this morning, and that was the goal line fumble. Ravens had a chance to go ahead. They they allow Huntley to try to pull a Trevor Lawrence, which he's about half the size of Trevor Lawrence. So I don't know why they decided for him to jump over a pile, but that ended up being the end of the game for the Ravens when the Bengals went and scored that 98 yard fumble recovery. So since it was a close game, should the Bengals be worried about their performance? Yes, absolutely. They should. Um, they, they look, they won the game, right? They put up 24 points. Typically, playoff football, you put up mid-20s, you're, you're winning the game. But that was as fortunate a win uh, as, as you could pull out. So it's, I mean, if, if I looked up one more time and saw Huntley, you know, scooping the ball and picking up another first down, or J.K. Dobbins, who's just an absolute tank, uh, I, I said, this, this is over. This is this is how Cincinnati season ends, um, and I actually said, you know what? Maybe they don't need Lamar Jackson. Maybe Huntley is the answer. Uh, maybe he does also need a little bit more grooming, a little bit more experience. Uh, I, I would have given you know the ball to to Dobbins uh, in, on that goal line, but uh, you know hindsight, right? Right. Yeah, and Dobbins did say something after. Real quick, because I think the Bengals, I they weren't they weren't particularly impressive from when I was watching them, but I have no doubt that I think that I would I'm more confident in the Bengals turning around than I am the Bills, actually. And we'll talk more about that matchup later this week. Okay. But I feel like we need to address this because it was talked about. Lamar Jackson did not travel with the team. Is it is it over for him in Baltimore, Robert? Is he gonna be gone? That is my prediction. Yes, Allie. Uh it is over for him in Baltimore. Um, yeah. You'll find a new team. Someone's going to offer him a mega contract and uh, he'll end his career there. Uh, but I think the end is absolutely here. We saw the last of Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. Yep. Totally agree. And, you know, I, I, I believe you need to play the game. 
if he if he is healthy and didn't play and held himself out for a contract, I think that is the worst competitive skill you could do as a player. I understand there's a lot of money involved, but you abandon your team where when it needed you the most. And I just believe if you if you bail on your team, it's just not a good look for you. All right, let's move on to the next segment, Robert. What surprised you the most? I'm going to give you two things that happened this weekend, and you want you let me know what surprised you more. You ready? Okay. Yeah. All right. What surprised you more? The Bills nearly losing to the Dolphins or the Bengals nearly losing to the Ravens? Uh, Bengals. Bengals nearly losing to the Ravens was actually the one that I thought was more concrete, believe it or not. Even though the point spread doesn't really call for it, I just didn't think that that game was going to end that close. I, I just, for some reason, watching the Dolphins, I just thought no matter what, Buffalo was not going to lose this game. Obviously, it ended up being both games were incredibly close endings at the very end. But I, I was more surprised by the Bengals and nearly losing to the Ravens. Ali, how about yourself? Yeah, I agree. The Bills, like I said, I thought it was blowout. They just kept shooting themselves in the foot. I, I can't yeah. believe it. it I, I totally 100% agree with you. All yeah. right, next one, Robert. What surprised you more, the Chargers blowing a 27-point lead or the Jaguars coming back from being down 27? <laughs> uh, blowing the lead. Definitely blowing the lead. It didn't make any sense at all. Uh, and and that's the way that I perceive this game. How did you blow this? <laughs> yep, totally agree with you there. Okay. All right, next one, Robert. What surprised you more, Brock Purdy's dominance or Daniel Jones's dominance? I like this question a lot. I was not surprised by Daniel Jones' dominance. Wow. Uh, so I, I was more surprised by Brock Purdy. Everything that Brock Purdy do, is doing right now, he's doing with massive house money. Um, and I'm really saying right here, is this – a product of his talent and ability or the system that San Francisco has put together. Uh, so I was more surprised by Brock Purdy, Ali. Yourself? So I I wasn't really surprised with Brock Purdy because I, I thought Seattle's defense was just not good. Yeah. And I've yeah. seen how yeah. Brock Purdy already performed against them. I would say I was surprised how poised and perfectionate Daniel Jones was from beginning to end. I thought there would be a few drives. He would stumble. I, I really did. I, and I, and I love Daniel Jones, but the fact that from beginning to end, I can't even pinpoint a mistake that he made. I, I would say I would have to give it to Daniel Jones. Okay. All right. Final one, Robert, what surprised you more giants pulling off the upset against the Vikings or the Jaguars pulling off the upset against the chargers? Oh uh, yeah. So I, I like that. I, I have to go the inverse. Definitely most surprised by Jaguars pulling off the upset. Uh, incredible comeback. Uh, I, I don't, yeah, it's, it's not fair. I, I don't want to end this episode and, and not tip a cap. So I, I like to do it right here during this, during this little segment. Uh, Jacksonville, you guys are great. Um, I, I didn't think you put it all together this quickly, but that's the beauty of the NFL and, and the parity that it brings and how quickly you could turn things around. Hey, Coach Peterson, great job. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say I was more surprised the Jaguars upset the Chargers. 
I really thought the Chargers were the superior team. They looked that way for the majority of the game and just collapsed. So even before the game, if you said, would I, would I have been more surprised? I said I would have been more confident with the Giants upsetting the Vikings. All right, our final segment, Roberts, the best one of the week, and that's our <laughs> buy or sell segment. Are you ready? Please, always. I can't wait. All right, buy or sell. The 49ers will not lose again this postseason. Oh, man. Why did you lead with this? I had to, I had to uh, come out heavy. Okay. Uh, ha, ha, ha. Sometimes the metrics just have to get tossed aside. And even though I have – let's pretend it's Kansas City and San Francisco for just this moment. I would have Kansas City as about a two-and-a-half-point favorite on a neutral – but I am buying. I'm going to buy. They're not going to lose this season. Brock Purdy, baby. <laughs> yeah, I'll buy as well because I've been riding the 49ers, though I would love to see the Giants face them in the conference championship. <laughs> but I am going to be realistic on this one. So I will say I am buying. As of today, I as still have today. faith in my Giants, though. Yes, yes. All right. Next one, buy or sell. Both Geno Smith and Lamar Jackson will be on different teams next year. Okay, I like this. You you got me hooked in halfway for sure already because of Lamar Jackson. And as we discussed earlier about the Seattle-San Francisco game, we debated whether or not Geno Smith deserves to remain a Seahawk. There's no question about that. But I think someone's going to get wacky with their wallet and say, hey, Geno, look at all of this beautiful money come and get it. And uh, I don't know if he's going to stick around because he's going to see all those dollar signs. So um, yes and yes. So I will buy that both Geno Smith and Lamar Jackson will be on different teams next year. Yep. I totally agree with you as well. I am a hundred percent buying this. <laughs> all right. Next one, Robert, buy or sell. There will be one number one seed eliminated this week. Sell. I'm going to sell. I, I think both number one seeds win their division playoff game. I'm I'm buying this one. I, I have so confidence <laughs> right now in the New York Giants, and it's not just a knee jerk from yesterday. I think there's more to Jalen Hurts' injury than what we're being told. Uh, I think okay. it's going to affect his running yeah. ability. I don't know True. if Lane Johnson is going to be back. If he's not back, I think that just causes even more of a breakdown in protection. The, the the Eagles didn't have a great end to their year. The Giants had the best end you could have asked for to their That's year. True. So I think I, I, I'm I'm looking at when we went into Green Bay and beat Brett Favre. This one I think is an upset this week. <laughs> Lovely. All right, next one, Robert. We alluded to this earlier, but let's get it on record. Buy or sell. Josh Allen's turnovers will cost the Bills a game this postseason. Directly and exactly that way you you place that statement is absolutely correct. Josh Allen's turnover will cost the Bills their playoff run. Yes, I'm buying that. I I agree with you as well. I think that he I think that he makes a big turnover against the Bengals this week and it ends up costing them the game. I hate to say it cuz I I do like Josh Allen a lot. Sure, uh, sure. Turnovers are a concern. I will say I don't see Burrow being as careless as as uh, Josh Allen. So I'm buying that. 
All right. Finally, Robert, buy or sell. A wild card team will reach the Super Bowl. <laughs> oh, man. I painted myself in a corner. Oh, no. What have I done? <laughs> I won. Last week, I said Tampa's going to make it. And now I just went ahead and said San Francisco's not losing. Uh, oh, man. Oh, well. I got to sell now. <laughs> we'll talk. Well, we'll call them the Cowboys and the Bucks in a little bit, but yeah, um, I'm going to have to sell. <laughs> um, I'm going to buy. Uh, I'm going to ride. Um, you know what? I, I will buy just so I'm record of saying that even though I think the Niners will win it all, but I'm going to buy saying that I still have faith in my Giants and I, I'm going to ride them. I know that the Dallas, don't count Dallas out. They could beat the Bucks tonight, even though I don't think so, but. They 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 could make a little clamor in the postseason as well. All right, that is our show for today. Quickly before we go, Robert, we talked about it last week, but let's get a final pick on record: Bucks and Cowboys tonight. Who do you have? Early, early in the process, I opened up the Dallas Cowboys as a two and a half point favorite, and it's been as equal a ledger as I could write on a game. It did go to three for a hot, hot hour or so maybe not even an hour it's back down to two and a half again with a total at 45 and a half my pick has not changed i think that uh tampa with all the rest that they've had uh and the home field advantage uh i think as a two and a half point dog they cover and win this game outright alley i agree with you and i also like the under on this one what do you think about that total i think is set just about right. I think Tampa probably wins this one with a low 20s, uh, maybe a 23 or 24 points, uh, you know, and it's probably going to be really, really close. So I'm looking at a total landing somewhere between 42 and 44. Uh, you know, obviously uh, one wild uh, haymaker of a play and it could go over the total, but I see it. I see the winner picking up anywhere between 23 and 24 points tonight. Okay. Well, that is our show for today. Robert and I will be back Wednesday. We have a jam pack episode with all the, the, the four divisional games. I hope everyone enjoyed their wild card weekend. Sorry if you're a Chargers or Vikings fan, but I'm not sorry if you're a Vikings fan because I'm fine with, with us beating you guys. Eagles, watch out. We have plenty more coming for you this week. And thanks for joining. Robert, any last thoughts before we sign off? Allie, no. Thanks so much for having me on again. Again, you could follow us, of course, at Nothing But Locks on Twitter. You could see me at Robert Kowalski, of course. And uh, hope everyone enjoys tonight's game and the games to come. All right, everyone. Take care.